It's, it's amazing. It's really popular as Christians that we put on our Sunday best and we try to fluff ourselves up and we come to church and, and none of us have problems at church. But yet, the truth of the matter is, is that we're in a battle and we're in a struggle. And uh, one of the things that we really try to do at Joy is to acknowledge that the struggle is real. Uh, in, in the earlier years of, of my ministry, I used to spend a lot of time trying to make sure that people knew that God had the right to rule and there's a standard. And, uh, and I found out that, that you can only go so far in just telling people the standard and they try to reach the standard and they slip and you need to add encouragement. We are told to be as perfect as our Father is. Your Father God, be as perfect as Him. That's going to take at least three weeks, <laughs> maybe longer. And so uh, there's two ways this can go. I can be encouraged. I want to stay in there and I want to struggle to be like God. Or I can just throw up my hands and say, I never can and I can quit. And I think that the Bible tells us that we're to gather together and we're to exhort each other, encourage one another, to press into God, to, to uh, recognize that He's not bummed at you because you're human. And that was the message of this, this video is that I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of, of Isaac, and I am the God of... He chose not to talk about his victory name, Israel, but his struggle name, Jacob. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm your God in the middle of your traffic. I'm in the middle of your mistakes, your flaws. And that's encouraging to me. I do better when I have realistic theology, realistic application of the Bible. And, and uh, we're going to be looking at some scriptures. Let me uh, read an introduction here. On January 6, 1941, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed Congress on the state of the war in Europe. Much of what he said that day has been forgotten. But at the close of his address, he said that he looked forward to a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. He named them freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want or lack, and freedom from fear. These words are still remembered even though their, their ideals have not yet been realized everywhere in the world. And in fact, they're not actually totally... Um, realized right in America. There's plenty of people who have fear. Uh, we've done, made great progress in freedom of speech, worship, freedom from uh, lack, but freedom from fear, pretty strong. Romans 8 is the Christian's declaration of freedom. For in it, Paul declares the four spiritual freedoms that we enjoy because of our union with Jesus Christ. A study of this chapter shows the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, who in Romans 8 is mentioned 19 different times. One of my favorite verses happens to be 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17, that says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay, let me describe what liberty is. Liberty means that you have that feeling of elation that God is working in you to perform the will of the Father. Liberty is not defined as the world defines it where it's a lack of restraint. 
Some people think that they're, they're liberated if they don't follow and play by the rules any longer. I have no restraint against uh, any inclination I have in my sexuality. I have no restraint from stealing someone's property. That's not freedom. That just leads to bondage. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there's that sense that you have the counselor, the comforter, who's working in you and through you to perform the will of God and that you're free to be set free to worship and praise and, and, and just go nuts in the Lord. How many of you have seen other people around here? We don't want to accuse you of doing that, but have you seen that there, some of the folks around here are, they're guilty of excessive happiness. They, they have joy all over their face. They're liberated to worship till late at night. They're liberated to wake up early in the morning and seek God. That's what happens when the Spirit of the Lord is. If what begins to drive you is the sense of guilt and shame and this uh, Sisyphean um, rolling a rock up a hill to have it roll back down every day, which that, that's, a, that's a, a Greek myth, uh, Sisyphus was the guy who was doomed to roll a rock up the hill and every night it would roll back down again and so he would start the next day rolling the rock up the hill. And some folks, that's their sense of, of religion. That every day, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be good. When really, you know what God was trying to say all along? Even under, the, under Moses? He's trying to say, guys, you can never successfully please me without receiving and embracing me. God wants family. I talk about some good, good chums. The, the Trinity was self-contained before any man was made. Why did he bring us schleps into the boat? I mean, if you look in the mirror and you see it and you're really proud of yourself, whoa, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know why humans are proud when, it, when, when compared to God. He, he formed the heavens and earth in six days. Boy, I can get my internet set up in four. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> his perfect love is perfect everything. So obviously it was of his grace that he ever made man that we could embrace his spirit. God really wants to live through you, not to have you perform for him. Lord, let me show you what I can do. Hey, Lord, let me show you. He's going, man, I've seen all the tricks before. I really am just looking for some people that understand, apart from me, you can absolutely do nothing. You can't save yourself. You can't be righteous. You can't live the good life. So in looking at the, the, the book of... Uh, Romans in chapter 8, specifically over the next four weeks, we're going to be dealing with four freedoms that the, that the book of Romans chapter 8 teaches us in verses 1 through 4, which we're going to be handling today. Uh, we're going to be looking at freedom from judgment. The Lord sees our struggle and has given us a way to fly above our struggle. Okay, it doesn't come through denial. I have no struggle. Yeah, you do. 
we're going to look at it, that you have a struggle, and as long as you've got an earth suit, you're going to deal with the struggle until you meet him face to face, either at his second coming or when you cross over through the veil of death. But you're, you're free from being condemned, judged guilty. The second thing is in verses 5 through 17, we're going to be looking at freedom from defeat. Victory comes through walking in the Spirit. We don't have to get beat up every time we leave the house. The third one is freedom from discouragement and frustration. And that's in Romans 8, 18 through 30. And then finally, freedom from fear. We'll have no separation through the Spirit. Stronger than life and death. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. And that's in verses 31 through 39. The struggle is real. (laughs) I want us to look at verses 21, uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 21 and following up through Romans 8, 4. And we're going to be using the New Living Translation. In the New Living Translation, Paul said this, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably, gosh, I hate that word, do what is wrong. That's why we have a a motto around here, we're all bozos in the boat. Gee, you're angry. Look at you guys. (laughs) Are there any fellow rowers in the the bozo boat? Welcome to the bozone layer. This is the Apostle Paul. This is one of the most circumspect, most devout, prayed the most, prayed in tongues more than y'all, It's Paul that said, I I thank my God I pray in tongues more than y'all. So he'd been to Texas. This guy said, here's a principle of life that I've discovered that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Now there's a crazy doctrine. And part of my job in loving people is, is you will be destroyed more by false teaching than you will by some false prophet. Like if somebody came in here and they're like talking demonically and their eyes are flashing fire, we're all going to go, ooh, that was weird. Did that make the hair stand up on the back of your your neck? I doubt if we're all going to go, hey, lead me. Man, can we just like go home and we'll come back next week? You guys are the most quiet. How many just don't dig like weird supernatural appearances of weird funky things that have a bad spirit on them? You're not going to probably get deceived by something that looks like ghouly. Like if someone shows up and and out of their their red flannel suit is like a forked tail, probably don't follow him, George. That's not, there's no future in it, okay? We're not going to be fooled by that, but these doctrines... That, that are circulating today. Uh, one of them is that when you're in Jesus Christ, you no longer have a sin nature at all. You can't fight what you can't see. 
If you don't acknowledge what Jesus said, every time you pray, you pray, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. In Jesus' model prayer, he said, you, you better bring the devil in with you. Every time you pray, you better bring in not only the Father, which is the premier thing, Father, we want your kingdom in our life, but you better bring in the devil. Because Satan has had familiar spirits. They know you. They know your mama and them. They know your clan. They know your weakness. The devil can't read your mind, but he can read your mail. And many times we sit and we're being tempted and we're going, man, it's like the devil can read my mind. The devil practices watching you and can see how you respond when you're being tempted. And anybody that thinks they're going to huff and fluff and put out their chest and they're going to show God that they obey, you're going back under the law, baby. You don't get it, Fritz. You are saved by grace, and you need that same saving grace every day to walk with God. And I will tell you, when I wake up in the morning, I have an angel right beside me. Her name is Kim, and I have two companies up above me. There's my familiar spirits from the demonic realm, and there's the Holy Spirit. And I tell those guys, I hope you enjoy my worship because I'm following God. But never do I ever think I wake up without the enemy being there too. If the enemy showed up time after time in the life of Jesus, trust me, they're going to go after Fritzy Schmelzer too. Oh dear, he must have had red meat. No, it's those donut holes. They go right through me and they do this to me. I've never met a donut I didn't like. Here's Paul. When I desire to do right, I inevitably do wrong. Don't despair. There's more to this. But hello, guys. Why would Satan really want this doctrine to get out? You don't have a sin nature. A pastor friend of mine bought into that. He, all of a sudden, if you have no sin nature, that means you've already arrived that means, really, you don't need to praise. You don't need to worship. You, baby, you've already been transformed. And this guy quit praying. I'm talking about a pastor friend of mine. Had a church in Washington of around four or 500 people. He quits praying. He quits seeking God. He takes off his armor. What are you, what's going to happen when an enemy with good javelins and darts comes and you're, you're armored down? He's going to fill you with fiery arrows. And so this brother didn't lose his salvation. But he ended up running the church to about 17 people. And finally, his own son and some other young men that were conservative believers. What do I mean by conservative? I'm not talking about right-wing politically. I'm talking about people who stay in the book. Don't take the, the magic, mystical, uh, your supernatural bus where you drop the, the, the Bible along the way. I'm talking about people, Pentecostal people, charismatic people, Baptist people, that still put the book in front of them and say, this is our constitution. This constitutes what the Spirit is saying. This constitutes 
how we practice our faith. And so these young men came in and, and they said, Dad, what do you think? And he handed them the keys. They went in, they rebuilt the congregation. They're as big or bigger than they were before. Thank you, Lord. I don't want anybody here in a, in a body bag. You better understand there is a struggle. Don't deny it. But we have victory through the struggle. Paul said this, and the people who teach that doctrine, they say, well, Romans 7 was written before, before Paul was born again. You're going to find evidence here that he had to have been born again. Look at this phrase. I love God's law with all my heart. What unregenerate person have you ever met that loved God's law? They don't love any law. They don't love the law of Medford. They don't love the law of Jackson County. They don't like the law prohibiting, you know, beating up your husband or something. That's my sister Cindy. And, and anyway, uh, <laughs> come on now. You ever seen an unregenerate person like, I love law. No, unregenerate means you're lawless. Paul is saying here, he said, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me what? Why is this in the Bible? And the answer is because it's real. There's a power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. An unregenerate man has nothing but sin. What are you talking about? The sin still within you. You have nothing but sin. This is a regenerate man saying that he looked in the water or he looked in the brass mirror. I don't think they had glass mirrors at the time of Paul, but they'd have polished bronze. And he could tell that he was older than he used to be. How many have looked in the mirror over the last years and noticed that creative new things are appearing on your face? <laughs> last night I had like a nice sports coat on and someone said, you look nice. I said, hey, when I was that guy's age, I could have wore a t-shirt, but now I got to fluff it, huff it, puff it. I want to get that do-it-yourself liposuction kit and have fun, you know? The fact that you're aging shows that the law of sin and death is still working the one place that we haven't seen the fullness of redemption. And that's our body hasn't been fully redeemed. So every day that I'm aware that Smeltzy is getting older, I know the battle's not over. So don't get lazy. Get up with an attitude. Get your armor on. Get the sword of the Spirit. You know, have the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's still on! And until Jesus takes me home or he splits the eastern sky and we all rise to be with him, we're still vulnerable. So don't, don't get comfortable in Capernaum. Don't get leisurely in Laodicea. But stay vigilant. And understand that Paul is saying, hey guys, there really is a struggle that God sees and acknowledges. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Paul wasn't like, like down on himself. He, he didn't want to go to a psychiatrist. Oh, I need a shrink. What a purpose. No, he just said this. Guys, I'm trying to teach you. He's just teaching his guys. Guys, I suck. You know, people don't like going to church and hear they suck. 
I want to go to a church that affirms me. I affirm you, you really do suck. That's, that's positive. Really, you've qualified, you suck. So do I. Paul said, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Now the good part, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer isn't trying to huff and fluff and blow the house down with your, I'm going to huff and puff and blow the house down with my own holiness. What holiness? I've never met a human that can manufacture righteousness. Righteousness is a gift of Jesus Christ. I've never seen a human that can, can, can create agape love. Agape love is from the very nature of God. You can receive righteousness, you can receive agape, but you can't manufacture. It's not intrinsic in your flesh nature. It's not intrinsic in the soul which is being renewed. But it is very much the nature of God. You've got to go and be family with God. The answer is in a person, not in a set of rules or any other thing that you can do. Could you get my, my spiritual liberty kit? Send it to me, please rush it. Here's my three cereal box tops and a self-addressed stamped envelope. That's in the old days. Some of you young people go, huh? And, and all of us old people, yeah, we remember that. That's why we read the back of the Cheerios box. Please rush me. My spiritual maturity kit. Okay, he's here. His name is Jesus. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Your help is found in the person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it really, really straight. You want to escape, you got to be part of the family. Only the family of God makes it. If you're going to grow in maturity, again, you've got to be a part of the family. You've got to treat God not like someone you're trying to negotiate with. You treat him as a father. Because as you walk with the person of Jesus, you can rise above the turbulence of the flesh. I don't know, I'm getting kind of happy about this. Thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see how it is in my mind? I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Okay, there's no chapter separation in the Greek manuscripts. So when, when the book of Romans was written, Paul's letter to the Romans, it was one long continuum. Later on, scholars said, let's divide that up so we can find it. And so, so this division between Romans 7 and Romans 8 did not happen. It just was a continuum. Because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So now, now, a new reality, a now reality there is no condemnation for those who are property to Christ Jesus. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, there was, there was what was called a bond slave. And so somebody, for one reason or other, they would, they would uh, to satisfy a debt, they would sell themselves for, uh, if they're Hebrew, for up to seven years. And, and, and or, you know, six full years, and on the seventh year, they'd be released. Okay, 
And, and so what would happen sometimes, there was such a beautiful relationship between the master that had hired their services that, that a guy would come in with his wife and say, hey, we never want to leave you. Yeah, we know we could go off and do something else, but we would like to forever be under your care. And they would take their ear up to a doorpost and they'd take a sharp awl. Some of you young people, you know what I mean? You got like 75 different staples through your ear and, and they would pierce their ear. In fact, when it speaks of Jesus, it said, my ear you've pierced. Lo, I come to do your will. That's what it means to really be free of sin. I'm leaving the sin gig. I'm leaving the, what do I have to do to be good? I want to fly the friendly skies united with God because I belong to Jesus. I've done so good in your house. I can't imagine bogarting and running back in the world for some scrap. Pierce my ear. That's what Paul said, the person that's going to be completely free of condemnation. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. Freed you. Freed you. Doesn't mean that that sin nature is not calling up. I don't, it's, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes folks will talk to me and, 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 and they're thinking like that, 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 that the devil had sent like a whole brigade of tempters. And, and they've got no worship going on in their life. No Bible reading, no devotion, no, you know, and I'm going, he doesn't have to waste. Your flesh nature is the loudest voice. He's saving the demons for people he really needs. You're easy. How many of you know that when you pray in tongues, when you read your Bible, when you meditate, when you fill your spirit by songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, you still have a flesh voice. And that's why the whole thing of wake up daily and take up your cross. You still got to mortify, put to death the members, the fleshly members, that metaphorical sin nature. Please leave. I'm one toe down. I don't want to lose any more. Rather than pluck out my eyes or cut off my tongue, I'd rather stop gossiping. Don't lust. It's the spiritual, solical things that we do that are wrong that we can be free from, but understand you still are aging. That voice is still gonna yell over the fence. Hey, hey, uh, you wanna, hey, hey, Pete, you wanna come home? Uh, you know, uh, we party guys, we're really missing you, Pete. Nah. How many know if you're tired of being hounded by the flesh, say no multiple times and it gets weaker. They'll still be there, but like, Hey, come back, come back. No, you guys are boring. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. It's not to deny that they're there. It's to let the voice of the Spirit 
Be louder than the hiss of the serpent. It says here, the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness, not of the law, but of our sinful nature. Galatians tells us that God sent the, the, the law to be a schoolmaster. What was it for? Hello, brilliant students. Everybody flunks this class. The self-righteousness class. Obey, and it'll be accounted for your righteousness. Guys that were less losers than the others, like Moses and others, they, they knew they needed help from God. They spent a lot of time in the presence of God. Never feeling they were justified by the animal sacrifices. Never feeling they were justified. David himself said, blessed is the man to whom God does not impute or he does not account sin. I love David's prayer. When he was broken and he failed. Lord, you were just in the bones that you broke. If you desired sacrifice, I would give you sacrifice. But the sacrifices of God are broken in a contrite spirit. These you will not despise. Even under the old covenant, the ones that really were justified by God, they were justified by faith. They knew that all this and a pack of chips wouldn't get it done. They knew they still needed God's righteousness and they, they by faith, they obeyed to keep the law, but they knew it still wasn't enough. And then along comes Jesus and he's saying, guys, the law is perfect. It will be fulfilled, but it won't be fulfilled by y'all because that nature, that which I would do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I end up doing. But blessed is the fact there's no condemnation to those that have given their life away to Jesus. To those that let the life-giving spirit cause them to rise up above the fog and the rain and the clouds of the earth-level climate. Let me just say this. At 30,000 feet in elevation, the sun's always shining. I mean, if, if you're in that part of the globe where the sun's shining. God's trying to get us to just be family. Walk with your dad. Let him look out for you. Let, it, let your older brother Jesus pay your, your way. Be in the spirit. No, I don't want to be family. I want to just do what you tell me to do. Scary. The weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his, his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving, giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. We're in Romans 8, even here he's saying, we no longer follow our sinful. How many of you will own it and say, I'm a dichotomy? 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I am a new creation. How many can say I'm a new creation? Okay, now put your arm down. Now, how many of those people who raise your arm can also say, I have a sinful nature? That's confusing. And that's Bible. That's why you can be called Israel, Prince of God, is literally what Israel means. Prince of God, or God's favored prince. And when I stand in prayer, I stand as a dual person, Lord, in my own strength, I'm just Jacob. In your strength, I'm Israel. Oh God, I'm not leaving this place of prayer till I can walk out of here. And that Jacob thing has been negotiated. I surrender it because little eyes are on me. People that need to see the prince that God raised up. How many of you know if we would spend time and acknowledge the Jacob nature, we could rise up and walk out as Israel? I'm just going to reference the woman caught in adultery. Many of you remember in, in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, that the lady was caught in adultery. I'm always mystified, and I've read it so many times, and I can never figure out what they did with the dude. How many of you know that there's been a forever that, um, hypocrisy when it comes to ladies and men? But in this one, they brought the lady to shame her and to put Jesus in a hard place. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They're trying to trap him to say something they could use against him. But he stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I think he said, dear father, these guys are knuckleheads today I've got to deal with, but I sure love you. <laughs> he stood up again. It's stoning time now. He said, all right. But the one of you that has no sin, I want you to throw the first one. Talk about conviction. I believe that Jesus stood up as Jehovah God and they felt something in his presence that said, from the very first sin you ever did, you earned eternal separation. Much worse than a stoning. Talk about turn a mob around with just a little dust riding and looking up I wonder if his eyes were ablaze. Not that he wanted unholiness, but understanding that holiness, true holiness, can only come from him who is riding in the dust. And these guys slunk away, and he looks to her. He said, where are you, your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. The goal of the Holy Spirit 
is to get us out of sin because sin blows it for everybody we love. You know, there are people that are trying to act like, well, you know, I don't even read the Old Testament. That's the old book. It's a bunch of negativity. Are you kidding me? The fact that it says, thou shalt not commit adultery established for me marital rights. That if God tells me not to commit adultery against my wife, Kim, that means that she has a right to expect me as a godly man to take our vows as something very deep and very holy. I don't want a troop of people involved with us sexually. There are certain things that are very holy. They're very private. And the fact that the Bible tells me not to commit adultery, my wife has marital rights. The fact that God says you shall not steal means that he's establishing property rights. The Ten Commandments established civilization. They weren't to put people under. But the aggregate of all of the Mosaic law was to teach us we need a righteousness which exceeds the scribes and Pharisees. We need to embrace the Holy Spirit. We need to come in daily. It's me, oh God. It's me. It's Israel slash Jacob. I'm coming before you and I will not lie about the struggle. The struggle is real. And at times I look in the mirror and I go, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God through walking in what Jesus, what Jesus did for me that I could never do. I don't know about you. I suspect there's a lot of people who the law of God is your meditation day and night. And like me, there have been times we've fallen forward in the middle of saying, God, I want you with all my heart. And once again, like Peter, we weep when he knew what we would do. And before the rooster crowed twice, we've denied him three times. And yet we see a God Psalm 5, my glory and the lifter of my head. The older I get, the more broken I am before God. People will tell me when good things happen, you deserve it. I say, thank you, you're kind. I know what I heard. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The gift. The gift. Can I dream with you for a moment? What will our city be like if we can get this? If we put away our stones, we go in the neighborhoods, and maybe there's a current knucklehead who's more hard-headed than you were. They're blinded to their sin. And you understand, if you don't intercede for them, if you don't show patience, if you don't play with their babies, 
they may enter into eternity without a testimony ever having given their heart to Christ. What would it be like as we dream if we could greet one another truly with a brotherly kiss? One failure to another. One bozo saying, don't leave me, guys. Don't leave me, girls. We need to be together. Hebrews 10, 25 says we need to not forsake the gathering. Why? Because in this world, if we just drift and deny the struggle, we slip under the waves. Together we need each other as an intercessory committee to love one another and walk in the Spirit. How many of you can say, I know my need of God? I'd like to have a show of hands of people who say I need him as much today as on the day I got saved. <laughs> Are there any that would raise their hands with me and say, in fact, I think I need him even more. Let's stand together. Whoa. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit just settles on us, it's pretty, pretty awesome, isn't it? God loves you with an everlasting love. He sees your weakness. He doesn't hide his eyes. He's at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you. I want to tell you who's praying for you. It's great to call up prayer teams, but I'll tell you what, I'm so glad that the number one prayer team for you and I is Jesus. He's saying, Lord, bless Cody and Joyce, that their strength not fail. Jesus is interceding for you, Cody. Wow. Jesus is interceding for you, Johnny. Whoa, how many wanted to call that intercessory team? That's a good one. He goes, yo, angels. If we could bow our head and close our eyes. There have been a number of people recently that have come here and given their life to Jesus. It's so beautiful. It's just simply saying, I, I can't do it on my own. I need the Savior. If you're here today and maybe in the past you've walked with God, but maybe you haven't even walked closely and you just would like to renew your faith or you're here and you say, I don't hardly know anything about religion, but I could feel God and I want to be clean. I want to be saved. Raise up your hand. I see one hand already up. There's hands all over this place. I see hands. I see hands. I see hands. Come on now. We're joining the living God who did the heavy lifting. He's the one that has conveyed away your sins. Powerful. 
Come on, you Christians. Do you get excited about it? Do you get excited about people coming into the kingdom? Yeah. Just say this prayer with me. Let's all repeat it together. Dear Father, I thank you for your tender mercy. I know what I've deserved, but I'm going to take your free gift. You said that everlasting life is the gift of the Father. Oh Lord, forgive me of my sin. Take away the hardness of my heart. Take away my blindness. You said if I would call on your name, I would be saved. I'm calling on your name. Save me. You said if I call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away the shame from my life. Oh God, you said you'd be a father. I need your family. Thank you for Jesus, my big brother, that has conveyed away my sins through his blood. Dear God, if you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I pray this and I receive you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.